Are you aware that every time there has been an effort by the president or his administration to force Israel to give up land, there has been a major disaster that has hit America? Every time. There has been 127 documented instances this has occurred since Bush Sr. took office. Even as recent as Hurricane Ida, correlating with the two-state solution talks between Prime Minister Bennett and President Biden, God has been and is judging America with multiple calamities and warnings. Sadly, America's politicians' lust for power has superseded the decrees, covenants, and commands of God. And we, the American people, continue to pay an enormous price due to the fragility of egos thinking they know better than our Lord. Join us now as we establish the foundations of covenant and scripture alongside modern-day headlines in Dividing Israel, God's Judgments on America. I am Mark Russick, and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always... Just my opinion. Hello and good day, everybody. My name is Mark Russick. You're listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our topic is dividing Israel, God's judgment on America. What do I mean by that? Well, every time there has been an effort by the president or his administration that would cause Israel to give up their land or portions of it, the land for peace, it is always followed with a major disaster that has hit America every time. As a matter of fact, if you go from the 41st president up until modern day times, uh, so that would be starting in 1988, there has been documented 127 different instances. Yes, 127. Uh, So we're not going to cover all those. I'm going to uh, center my attention on 12 instances that I think kind of stand out. And I'm going to take them from the headlines. I'm going to take them from Uh, Modern-day headlines, we're going to talk about the impact of Hurricane Ida, which has happened two weeks ago, and uh, the talks that precipitated that, as well as, uh, you know, some of the headlines, a lot from the the 90s and the uh, uh, 2000s. So this is fresh information that you will, most of you will be familiar with, if not all of it, Uh, but I hope to kind of thread the needle, if you will, where... I, I show you that God's judgment is in this. I think it's overwhelming. It's compelling. Uh, and you may say, well, you know, God doesn't judge, or I should say, you know, God doesn't bring about storms and, 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 and whatnot. And that's not true. So you can see many, many different instances in the Bible where, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, Psalm 148.8 says, you know, the storms do his bidding. Uh, remember, Jonah said that the Lord sent the winds into the sea. Uh, Job 37.3 says, God brings storms to punish people. And then, you you know, you've got the instance of Noah and the flood. And I can go on and on. And at the same time, I could talk about Jesus calming the storm and the instance there uh, and, and, and the example of faith and, and speaking to the situation. So, uh, but I wanted to, you know, kind of lay a groundwork. We're going to talk about the uh, biblical foundation of everything that we're going to get into in modern day times. Uh, so, you know, you know I, I guess the other thing, too, that I just want to strength or, or, or bring out to the forefront is the information that I'm going to present here today is just more overwhelming evidence about the, uh, the reality of God, the, the absolute undeniable accuracy of his word. And, and I'm going to do it by bringing out instances of, of modern day headlines and matching them up with what the word of God has to say. And uh, in, in these examples, it would be concerning Israel and dividing the land of Israel. 
so if you like information like this, if you could, please hit that like and subscribe button, ring the bell on, on YouTube and the other platforms and all the podcast platforms. Um, it really, really helps us. And I'm, I'm asking you, uh, because it gets the information out to others to hopefully make, give them the information to make an informed decision, whether it's about their eternal destiny or just information concerning the Lord and concerning the scriptures. Or maybe, you know, there might be information that they can use that would help somebody else that they can potentially influence. So on that note, if you wouldn't mind, please do that. As well as if you could jump on the Rustic Outlook, join our email list. Uh, once you get on there, you'll see a little pop-up window. Matter of fact, there's a pop-up window coming across your screen right now. And just last but not least, we are going to be doing live Bible gatherings, uh, and we can only do so if you're on the email list. We would send you the password and the link if you want. I've got some information on the website as well as YouTube and all the others. I did, did a little 20-minute presentation. We're going to do the first Saturday in uh, October on the, um, uh, the definitive proof of Jesus and the resurrection. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, I'd love to see you at that. It's an interactive session, open for Q&A, prayer, etc. But let's get into this. Let's get into dividing Israel, God's judgment on America. So first I wanted to lay a little bit of a foundation, as I said, the, where the land of God clearly belongs to Israel. Uh, Genesis 12, 2, 3. I'm going to go through a number of scriptures to make my point. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, curse him who curses you, and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So right away, if you're going to bless Israel, God will bless you. If you're going to curse Israel, God's going to curse you. God created the land with a land covenant with defined borders. Genesis 15:8. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I have given the land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. I have given this land. This is God's land. He's given it to Abraham, to Abram at the time, and his descendants, which is the Hebrew nation. Uh, Genesis seventeen seven, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant. To, to be God to you and your descendants after you. Everlasting means everlasting. So if God is establishing an everlasting covenant, you cannot break it. You can attempt to break it, and there will be a price to pay, but you cannot break it. First Chronicles sixteen thirteen through 18. O seed of Israel, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Remember his covenant forever. We just talked about the covenant. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham, his oath to Isaac, confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan at the allotment of your inheritance. Just reiterating, strengthening what the word had said earlier. Uh, God judges the nations. Joel 3, 1 through 2. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations, bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. So he's saying that those dividing up the land, there's going to be judgment. 
Zechariah 12.9, It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. So here we have, I always say, Israel is the epicenter of the world, Jerusalem is the epicenter of Israel, and the Temple Mount is the epicenter uh, of Jerusalem. So you could say the, you know, that that's really what so much of this is about. Uh, but here you, you know, we've laid the foundation. Let me continue. God specifically declares there are no peace deals to be made. Exodus twenty three thirty two. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. So there you have it. And, you know, I, I can go on about the, the, uh, the, the sin that other nations would bring into the land of Israel, including America. Uh, God commands Israel not to give their land away, Ezekiel 48 through 14. And they shall not sell or exchange any of it. They may not alienate this best part of the land, for it is holy to the Lord. Jump into verse 29 of chapter 48. This is the land which you shall divide by a lot as an inheritance among the tribes of Israel and their portions, says the Lord God. So we've established a firm foundation about this is God's land who's given to the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, the, 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 the land of Israel. And I just want to address some things that come about and arguments I hear and see. Here's a myth. The Jews have no claim to the land that they call Israel. Absolute myth. A fact. It's a common misperception that all Jews were forced into the Dissipora by the Romans after the destruction of the Second Temple in Jerusalem, 70 AD. By the Dissipora, I mean the scattering into the various lands across the world. And then, 1900 years later, suddenly returned to Palestine demanding their country back. The Jewish people have maintained ties to this historic homeland for more than 3,700 years. These people base their claims to the land of Israel on four very strong uh, concrete premises. The Jewish One, the Jewish people settled and they developed the land. Two, the international community granted political sovereignty in Palestine to the Jewish people. Three, the territory was captured in defensive wars. We'll get into a little bit more of that. God promised, and for God promised the land to the patriarch Abraham. So, you know, there has, there's been the disappointment. Many people know about the Zionist movement in the late 19th century and, and a lot of the things that, that developed there, including the development of, of the ancient Hebrew language, which, again, was just another uh, uh, prophetic fulfillment but this has been established over close to 4,000 years. Let me put it that way. Even after the destruction of the Second Temple in Jerusalem and the beginning of the exile, Jewish life in the land of Israel continued and at times flourished. Large communities were established in Jerusalem and Tiberias by the 9th century. In the 11th century, Jewish communities grew in Rapha, Gaza, Ashkelon, Jaffa, and Caesarea. The Crusaders massacred many Jews during the 12th century, but the community rebounded in the next two centuries as large numbers of rabbis and Jewish pilgrims immigrated to Jerusalem and Galilee. Prominent rabbis established communities in Safed, Jerusalem, and elsewhere during the next 300 years. By the early 19th century, years before the birth of the modern Zionist movement, more than 10,000 Jews lived throughout what is today Israel. The 78 years of nation-building beginning in 1870 
culminated in the establishment, reestablishment of the Jewish state. I've covered this before in a couple of different topics. I just wanted to reiterate that the the land of Israel was a desolate wasteland, and you and I've I've given you the sightings of of, of Mark Twain and his adventures back there, um, and, and his writings of it. I've, I've documented this in a couple of different um, previous broadcasts, uh, but it is blossoming. It is blooming on so many different levels, just as God promised because the Jewish people came in and cultivated the land. It is the most desirous and prosperous land in all of the Middle East. Israel's international birth certificate was validated by the following. The promise of the Bible. That's number one. The uninterrupted Jewish settlement from the time of Joshua onwards. By the Balfour Declaration of 1917, if you're not familiar with it, look it up. It's basically the uh, the Brits had, after World War One had won the land, was given over by the Ottomans. Uh, uh, the Ottoman Empire was defeated, and uh, the Brits uh, recognized that this really, this land belonged to the Jewish people. Uh, the League of Nations mandate, which also incorporated the Balfour Declaration. The United Nations Partition, <clears throat> Partition Resolution of 1947, which was sealed and signed off by President Harry Truman, Israel's admission to the UN on May 11, 1949, the recognition of Israel by most states or most nations, the civilization created by Israel's people in decades of thriving, dynamic national existence. Uh, I want to read something by Eba Iban, who was a member of the Knesset on Foreign Affairs and the Security. He wrote this in 1981. It's called the Saudi Text, but I think it's appropriate because the 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 anti-Semitism and the absolute blatant uh, it, it's it's two things. It's one, it's propaganda, it's uh, um, anti-Semitic propaganda, and it's also ignorance. When I hear some people about this whole two-state and uh, you know the or that the Jewish people you know equating it to apartheid. It just it, it it it's so far from the truth. It's sad, and that yet people spew this nonsense. Nobody. So anyway, it says here nobody does Israel any service by proclaiming its right to exist. Israel's right to exist, like that of the United States, Saudi Arabia, and 152 other states, is axiomatic and unreserved. Israel's legitimacy is not suspended in midair awaiting acknowledgement. There is certainly no other state, big or small, young or old, that would consider mere recognition of its right to exist a favor or a negotiable concession. And But yet we consistently push Israel, which again, to me, is just further proof. This tiny, tiny little nation is further proof of the reality of God and the validity of God, where they are fighting over this tiny, tiny, tiny piece of real estate the size of New Jersey. Um, it, it's, you know, it's... Again, it's it's evidence as far as I'm concerned. So let's go to number one. Uh, we're going to talk about UN Resolution number 446. This goes back to 1979. I want to read what this means first. It determines that the policy and the practices of Israel in establishing settlements in the Palestinian and other Arab territories occupied since 1967 have no legal validity and constitute a serious obstruction to achieving a comprehensive, just, and lasting peace. 
So without getting in, into more of it, and, and maybe I should have said this beforehand, in 1967, Six-Day War, if you're not familiar with it, look it up. Uh, it, it was God's hand, and you had the nations of Syria, Egypt, Jordan, and, and, and others trying to squeeze them from all, all sides of around the country. And in six days, not only did the uh, Jewish people defeat these nations, but they captured land, and, and I'll show you a little bit of this. But what they're trying to say is that you need to go back to the borders that were established before 1967, before this Six-Day War. So this is number one, the first example I'm going to give. If you're following me on video, go into the left. The last time the U.S. government refused to veto, so what happened is the United States did refuse to veto this Security Council. And again, if you're not familiar with the U.S. vetoes or any other uh, major nation, I think it's five, uh, then, then it can't get passed through. So they consistently, they, they stood by Israel, but in this instance, Carter did not. Uh, uh, on March 22nd, 79, the Carter administration chose not to veto this resolution. Four days after, on the 26th, the Egypt-Israel peace treaty was signed. As a result of that treaty, Israel gave up a tremendous amount of territory, Two days later, March 28th, the worst nuclear power plant disaster in United States history took over, and, and what many people know is the Three Mile uh, Island accident. And, uh, you know, you can, again, that's just information you can look up. I'm not going to delve into the details so much of every, each and every instance. I will cover certain points, but uh, again, Three Mile Island and, and this nuclear accident was, was absolutely devastating, and within days of us, us not uh, vetoing this resolution, this occurred. Number two, uh, October 30th, 91, President H.W. Bush opened the Madrid Peace Conference, which brought Israelis and Palestinians together to negotiate for the first time. In his opening speech, Bush told Israel, territorial compromise is essential for peace. At the exact same time, the perfect storm was brewing in the North Atlantic. This legendary storm traveled 1,000 miles in the wrong direction. It sent 35-foot waves slamming directly into Bush's home in Kennebunkport, Maine. Following that, August 23, 92, the Madrid Peace Conference moved to Washington. The very next day, Hurricane Andrew made landfall in Florida, causing $30 billion in damage. It was the worst national disaster up until that time. Number four, January 16th, 94, President Clinton met with President Assad of Syria to discuss the possibility of Israel giving up the Golan Heights. So for those who are not familiar, you know Assad today in Syria, that's this gentleman's son. This was the father who was uh, president at the time. Within 24 hours of this meeting with Assad and Clinton, the devastating Northridge earthquake hit Southern California. It was the second worst natural disaster up until that time in U.S. history. So here I'm showing you on video, Clinton meeting with Assad and then Bush uh, speaking to the Madrid Peace Conference uh, in 1991. Or 92, this was when he it moved to Washington. Sorry about that. Number five, on January 21st, 98, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu arrived at the White House, but he received a very cold reception. Unfortunately for him, it's happened a number of dis different instances when you've had a Democrat in, Cong in uh, the office. Uh, President Clinton and Secretary of State Madeleine Albright actually refused to have lunch with him. 
That also happened under two presidents later. Uh, that exact same day, the Monica Lewinsky scandal broke, sending the Clinton, Clinton presidency into a spa- tailspin from which it would never recover. So for those not familiar, uh, Monica Lewinsky, uh, uh, Clinton had committed adultery with this young woman and it just, you know, it destroyed the rest of his legacy. Uh, number six, on September 28th, 98, Secretary of State Madeleine Albright was working on finalizing a plan which would have had Israel give up approximately 13% of Judea and Samaria. Samaria. On that precise day, on the same day, Hurricane George slammed into the Gulf Coast with wind gusts up to 175 miles per hour. So I'm showing you here the, the weather pattern of, of how that just kind of worked its way up the coast. So, you know, again, this is happening within days of these specific instances. Many of these documented occurrences, you know, they change direction. They change direction based upon what's happening and the policies that are going on. Moving right along, number seven, May 3rd, 1999, Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat was supposed to hold a press conference. He was going to declare the creation of a Palestinian state with Jerusalem as the capital. On that precise day, the most powerful tornadoes ever recorded in the U.S. ripped through Oklahoma and Kansas. At one point, one of the tornadoes actually had a recorded wind speed of 316 miles an hour. I'm showing you many of the instances and the pictures here (coughs) of the devastation of of this tornado. On April 3rd, 2003, Uh, This is the eighth instance. The roadmap to peace that had been developed by the so-called quartet was presented to Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon by U.S. Ambassador Daniel Kurtzer. Over the next seven days, the U.S. was hit by a staggering 412 tornadoes. This was the largest tornado cluster ever recorded up until this time. So you see these, these things are happening as policies are being dictated that would attempt to uh, force Israel to give up the land. God is dealing with them. God is judging it. And, and, and I think we need to wake up and see the hand of the Lord and see the Bible. And, and I would say return to the fear of the Lord. And I, don't, I mean a holy fear uh, be, because God's not playing. You know, God's not playing, but yet these politicians in Washington and elsewhere think they know better. So it's, 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 it's pretty sad, but let me keep going. Number nine, uh, if you're an American, you know very well, or you should be very familiar with Hurricane Katrina. In 2005, President uh, George W. Bush, who was junior, number 43, He convinced Israel that it was necessary to remove all of the Jewish settlers out of Gaza and turn it over to the Palestinians completely. So I don't know if you recall that or not. Bulldozers were brought in and those people in that area of Gaza were they lost their homes. According to The New York Times, the very last of the settlers were evacuated on August 23rd, 2005. On August 23, 2005, the exact day, a storm would be given the name Katrina. It started forming over the Bahamas, and the city of New Orleans was directly in its path. And that city, I would say, has not fully recovered since, and that's 15 years, almost 16 years ago. It ranked at the time as one of the costliest natural disasters in American history. 
I show you, again, I'm showing you a lot of images, and what I'm showing you when I'm bringing up these different storms is uh, specific to these storms, earthquakes, natural disasters. I'm not just grabbing random pictures. So I'm showing you New Orleans. I'm showing you uh, uh, the Superdome in, in, in New Orleans where the Saints play. and Just all the things that were going on. It was just horrible. Uh, but again, you can tie this to American foreign policy. Number 10, uh, May 19th, 2011, Barack Obama told Israel there must be a return to the pre-67 borders. So before I, let me just go for an instance. Hopefully, if you can, if you're following me on video, if not, look it up. So you had these, um, these the territory that Israel had. And as I said, if this it goes back to the uh, Six-Day War. And if you're looking on the right, <clears throat> You see the Israeli territory before the Six-Day War and then what happened afterwards. So they actually, the Sinai Peninsula, they captured. They've since given that back to Egypt. Uh, They've given the Gaza Strip back, as as we just alluded to. Um, Then you have that surrounding area of Judea and Samaria, which is known as the West Bank today, uh, as well as East Jerusalem in that map. So in that Six-Day War and the Golan Heights at the northern part of Israel along the border of Syria. So along this part here, um, you you have the the Israelis captured this territory. They actually, as a gesture of peace, um, Moshe Dayan, who was the commanding general at the time in 67, gave the Temple Mount back to uh, to the Muslims and, you know, many people obviously are upset about that, but, you know, that's that we all fell in line as far as I'm concerned with the plan of God because that's, you know, what everybody's balking about today. And they want Jerusalem as the capital. Why, you know, this city? It's because it's God's city. Um, so today what happens is you've got the Jewish control over these borders. So, and, and, and I've been here. I've traveled around Judea and Samaria, the West Bank, and I've seen these walls, and it's a little disconcerting. Um, but what it basically means is that the Israeli government has control of who's going in and out, but that the Palestinians or, or the Arabs that are, that, that are in there, um, they, they control all of the West Bank. And then you have the Golan Heights, which is what uh, was captured from the Syrians. The Syrians were using that as, a, as an advantage. So all of this land was captured in six days. Um, but, you know, today, uh, you know, we, 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 they, the Israelis have given back Gaza. They've given back the Sinai Peninsula to the Egyptians. Uh, they still have the Golan Heights, and they've made some concessions, uh, some additional concessions in concerning the West Bank. So let me go back to the left about this uh, May 19th, 2011. When Obama's telling Israel, you must go back to these borders, that means all of this territory goes back to the PLO or the, or the different factions there, Fatah uh, or, or uh, Hamas. So um, if, 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 if I'm a leader of a nation, if I'm a member, a citizen of the nation, you've got a border of maybe 18 miles from the uh, uttermost part of the West Bank where it goes east towards the Mediterranean Sea. So, you know, 18 miles wide, how are you supposed to defend that? So it's absolutely insane for 
America to to try to compel uh, the the Israeli people to give up this land, and 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 it's it's hideous. It's it's I, I you know I, I I don't know what else to say, and I struggle so hard. Uh, with so many people who, you know, they're they're okay with these policies and other policies that go against the word of God because they'd rather support, uh, you know, one party or another part over another party, you know, or, you know, in the instance of 45, they didn't like his temperament, you know, stuff that's so ridiculous. Um, but here you have these, these blatant things and God is judging and God is dealing with this. So three days after this happened, on May 22nd, a half-mile-wide EF5 multiple vortex tornado ripped through Joplin, Missouri. This was the costliest single tornado in American history. And Joplin is a huge city in this country. You see the devastating impact if you're following me on video. So this followed the negotiations that was being led by 44 at the time. Now I'm going to go to number 11, UN Resolution 2334. Let me just cover this before I get into it. Uh, this Security Council reaffirmed the establishment by Israeli settlements in the Palestinian territory occupied since 67, including East Jerusalem, had no legal validity and constituted a flagrant violation under international law, and it was a major obstacle to the achievement of a two-state solution and a just and lasting comprehensive peace. So again, here you go. Years later, they're still trying to get a, another resolution getting, and this is again under 44, getting uh, uh, Israel back to pre-67 borders, which I would contend would be absolute suicide. So despite the fact that at the time, this is in December of 2016, you've already had President-elect uh, 45. So he's saying, don't do this. The prime minister is saying don't do this. Many members uh, of, of Congress, more so on the Republican side than the Democratic side, urging Obama to veto the security resolution, but he didn't care. He went ahead and did it anyway. This was his, you know, last stab at, at Israel before leaving. And, you know, he had many, many different conflicts with Israel. As a matter of fact, he was trying to, he, he laundered money into Israel for to the the election against Netanyahu to put in somebody from the Labor Party at the time, uh, and and then sent down a, uh, a delegation to run the campaign of this three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's all documented. You know you can look that up, but that was his disdain for Israel and for uh, Netanyahu, uh, because the United States has veto power on the UN's Council. Nothing can be passed without the support. But he didn't care. He, he, he vetoed it anyway. Uh, it's been the policy of the U.S. government for decades to veto, veto all anti-Israel resolutions that come before the council because they're all against Israel. They're all trying to take down Israel, uh, especially these humanitarian rights uh, countries that are on these councils. It's a joke. Uh, but the Obama administration chose not to. So I'm not going to uh, get, get into all that. I want to cover some things that... John Kerry didn't said as the Secretary of State at the time. He gave a speech on December 28, 2016. So this is weeks before his, this administration uh, would um, uh, be leaving. And what happened was 700 tremors felt within California area in that week since the UN uh, security uh, re resolution vote. In addition to that, three earthquakes of a magnitude of 5.8, 5.7, 5.6, 5 
They struck Hawthorne, Nevada before Kerry's speech, and a 4.1 struck Morongo Valley after Kerry's speech, all on December 28th, the day of his speech. He blasted the Israeli government. He presented six points of a peace deal. Uh, the Secretary of State strongly criticized Israel's government in the speech, saying, Trends on the ground are leading to a one-state solution defending the U.S. decision not to veto a U.N. security resolution. So he's bragging about it. He's saying we did the right thing. We were in the right because they should be a two-state. If the choice is a one-state, Israel can either be Jewish or democratic. It cannot be both and it won't ever live in peace. I got news for you. It's going to live in peace. When Jesus Christ comes back, it will live in peace for a thousand years. Kerry presented the principles of a future final status agreement, an Israeli and a Palestinian state based on the 67 lines, full rights to all citizens, a solution to the Palestinian refugee issue, Jerusalem as the capital of both states. There you have, I mean, it's, you cannot, it's like you cannot have two heads, it's a freak. You want to have Jerusalem as the capital to both. And 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 end to the uh, what he's what he is calling the occupation, while satisfying Israel's security needs with a demilitarized Palestinian state, and end to all claims by both sides. So, I don't know how much more horrendous you can get um, as, as a Christian or Jewish. I I just I don't know how you how people can defend and side along these things that blatantly obviously fly in the face that are juxtaposed to the word of God. And I don't, you know, I don't care if it's right or left. I don't care which party was doing it. It's wrong is wrong. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, a, you know, I'm a parent, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. How's that? And, and I will say too, both parties, you know, without question over the years have been wrong uh, on a number of instances in regard to, to uh, the land of Israel. Leading up to the final, what we know today, Hurricane Ida, uh, this was tied for the fifth strongest hurricane ever to hit the mainland in the, Uni in the United States. It all happened within slightly more than 72 hours from its beginning on Thursday at 11 a.m. In 24 hours, it jumped from a Category 1 to a Category 4 storm. It came ashore with winds at 150 miles an hour and gusts up to 172. Uh, moreover, August 29th was the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. We covered that, a storm which developed within hours of the completion of the eviction of 9,500 Jews from their homes on August 23rd, 2005. So again, I'm, I'm going to say this was intentional and this is a statement from the Lord. This is just my opinion. The fact that it, both of them hit on the same time and this one hit, so at 16 years later on the anniversary of Katrina, hit the same point in the city of New Orleans. Not only Louisiana was hit very hard, but also New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, which experienced record rains and flooding from the remnants, in which case I will say I live here on the north shore of Long Island and I was impacted tremendously, uh, which kind of put us out of commission for a week or so in, in doing some of our videos. But what was happening at the time was uh, Biden, who was the, uh, I'm sorry, Bennett, who was the uh, um, uh, leader of Israel, he came for his first meeting with uh, um, 46, and it was really, it was to cover two, the two principal areas were discussing the uh, Americans' desire to get back into the Iranian nuclear agreement, as well as uh, 46 was pushing for the two-state solution um, during the recent war with Hamas in this past spring. 
the Americans turned around and gave $350 million to the Palestinians. And, uh, and again, I have no issue at all with that, providing it goes to humanitarian relief and help and infrastructure and whatnot. But, you know, the, the common theme over the years has clearly been it does not get to the people or to the benefit of the people. It gets to the politicians and the power broker, brokers in and around uh, Palestine and well, what I would say uh, the, uh, the West Bank and, and, and Gaza. Uh, but let me just kind of lay out those 72 hours. And this was also at the same time that it was held up a day because of everything that was happening in Afghanistan. They were supposed to meet on that Thursday, had to push it off to the next Friday morning. Uh, it was scheduled for August 26th at 1130 because of Afghanistan. It was rescheduled to the next day. Advisory number one on a tropical depression nine uh, on Thursday at 11 a.m., uh, Ida formed uh, on August 26th at 5 p.m. Biden and Bennett met at 11.30 on the 27th. It strengthened to a hurricane at 1.15 p.m., just at around the time that they were done with their meetings. It came ashore as a Category 4 at 150 miles an hour uh, to an oil hub uh, on Sunday, August 29th. And it was also, again, the 16th anniversary of Katrina in this same general area. Let me just highlight a couple of different things about how bad this was. Uh, it was one of the fastest intensifying storms in 150 years. Uh, the winds were extremely strong. They sustained 150 miles an hour. Gusts had entered 170 to 180 miles an hour. It wreaked havoc everywhere. I mean, it started in Louisiana, worked its way up, but, uh, you know, it wasn't expected to be this severe, but if you're in the tri-state area like me, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, I would say Pennsylvania, uh, we were absolutely devastated, slammed. Uh, the extensive damage to the Port Fortune, which is the major oil hub, uh, cost multi-million dollar ships, the, the supplies, um, the, the rigs were, were, were destroyed. Uh, and AccuWeather uh, experts said that the total damage and economic loss was somewhere between 70 and 80 billion. I think that was increased to 90 billion. Power outages went on for weeks down south, uh, you know, many in around my area. Uh, just five blocks from my home, there was a retaining wall that, that fell and it mudslide was so bad, it just it, it knocked the house off its foundation. I mean, it was just incredible. So I just wanted to focus a little bit more on this. If you, I'm giving you a New York Post picture here. Uh, the picture on the left is, if you're familiar with New York City subways, this is not what you want to see if you go underground. And this was a, uh, this was a picture of what was happening uh, underground. Um, and then just some more records. Uh, between Philadelphia and the tri-state area, the remnants of the hurricane unleashed flash flooding, tornado watches, and historic amounts of rain. Uh, Central Park observed 3.15 inches of rain in one hour. Uh, it made it the wettest hour in New York City history, dating back to 1870. Uh, it is a night like any other in the history of New York weather. I can tell you, I, we, you know, we were here. It was just, it, it was crazy. Uh, the Weather Service office ser serving New York City said Wednesday evening this was the first time that an office ever had to issue a flash flood emergency on a night in which Manhattan Central Park saw the most amount of rain in a single hour. Uh, the torrential rain from Tropical Rainstorm Ida on Wednesday night resulted in the most significant flash flooding disaster in New York City history. Uh, so, you know, there you have it. It was just absolutely horrendous. But again, it's tied to the policies from 44 are extending over to 46. 
Uh, it's the same thing. They, they're trying to squeeze Israel. They're putting them into pre, attempting to, and it won't happen, but they're attempting to put them into pre-1967 borders. And I believe, you know, and again, this is just, you know, my two cents. The church needs to wake up. People need to know what is going on around the world. And, and I would say that, you know, this type of information doesn't have to be this, um, needs to be talked about, needs to be discussed amongst Christians and, and Jews and, and, and everybody. I shouldn't relegate it to that. But I guess sometimes I just feel like the church misses it um, because these are extraordinary times in which we're living in and, and we should be able to kind of thread the needle um, you know, with seeing what's going on around us because we're seeing things happen prophetically just as the Bible said it would. And, and I personally, I, you know, I think the Bible, I believe, is something like a third of it is prophecy. And it's, my experience has been it's not talked about or not mentioned enough. And again, this is my opinion. And I'm not talking about any church or denomination. I'm just saying in general. And there's a number of wonderful churches and people. And I think they do themselves a disservice because people are hungry for the truth. It's all they want. Just give them the truth. Whether it's it it's messes with their uh, w- with their thought process or not, but you know you can always adjust once you know the absolute truth. So there you have it. So you make the decision. I just wanted to say thank you for your time, and I hope this was of benefit to you. I hope it was a little bit of an eye opener. Before I forget, uh, much of this information is by a gentleman named William Koenig. Uh, I, I should have said this before. He has a wonderful website. Um, and, and he's always great with get, getting up-to-date news information. He's, I believe he's centered in the Washington area or, or close by, but he's got a weekly news site, and he's got a book called, uh, what is the book? Eye to Eye. Oh, just oh, I almost missed it. So anyway, he's the one who's really uh, been at the forefront of documenting all of these instances. Just a wonderful, wonderful Christian. Uh, so if you can, look his information up, look his website up. Uh, it, it, it's, it's great and it's very practical. He, he really explains things very well. So I want to thank you for your time. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And before I go, if you have any prayer requests, questions, comments, uh, and, and if you don't know the Lord, please, by all means, search him out. Ask him to come into your heart. Confess your sins. I'm a sinner, God. I need you. If you, <clears throat> I'm sorry, if you have any um Questions about churches in your area, I'd be happy to help if I can. But just hook yourself up with a good Bible-believing church. Uh, Again, my name is Mark Russick. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.